You're listening to the PCOS Collective, the podcast that helps you manage your PCOS symptoms without restriction. I'm your host, Alex Williams, a registered associate nutritionist who specializes in PCOS management and food freedom. Before we get started, a quick message from this season's sponsor. This season of the PCOS Collective is sponsored by Time Health. Time Health produce UK-made, high-quality inositol supplements for people with PCOS. Keep listening to learn more about Time Health's inositol products and for an exclusive discount code for listeners of the PCOS Collective. everybody, welcome to the PCOS Collective Podcast. I'm joined today by Shannon Weston, a non-diet registered associate nutritionist who helps people break free from dieting, binge eating, food guilt and poor body image. She also regularly works with people with PCOS to help them manage their symptoms without dieting. Welcome Shannon, thank you so much for joining us. Hi Alex, thanks for inviting me on, I'm really happy to be here. Good, thank you so much for being here. Do you mind by telling us a little bit about yourself and how you came to be a non-diet nutritionist? Mm, Yeah, okay. Well, I guess the introduction that you just gave was kind of a really nice overview um, of kind of what I do. So maybe I'll first talk about how I became a nutritionist Mm -hmm. and then how I became a non-diet one. Um, That'd be great. So I guess, um, well, first of all, I should say that um, I didn't kind of start off my um career wanting to go into nutrition but I found it um maybe a couple years into my bachelor's degree and so I studied biology and and during that time um well I I didn't realize at the time but I just had a really disordered relationship to food um that I really I really thought I'd recovered from um so I mean I hadn't I had an eating disorder um for maybe well pretty young kind of in my early teens and I kind of thought I'd recovered um and I was in that kind of um pseudo recovery state that's kind of Mm -hmm. not not recovered but also really not in a good place and so my relationship to food when I was in my kind of late teens early 20s when I was doing my um bachelor's degree was really like fueled by um the need for everything to kind of be clean and this kind of um, wellness blogging was kind of at its peak at that time. So it was a lot of, you know, I didn't want to eat processed foods and um, everything had to be homemade and I was vegan at the time. So it kind of made sense that during my degree, I was like, okay, afterwards I'm going to go do um, a master's in nutrition. And so I knew I wanted to do that from when I was about 19 or 20. Um, so I planned on doing that and then I had a year out between my first degree and my master's just to kind of like, um, I just like watching a, a shop and a restaurant and things. And um, in that time, I discovered the non-diet approach by listening to um, Laura Thomas's podcast. Mm-hmm. And that's when I, I kind of knew about intuitive eating and non-diet approaches, but I didn't really get it. Um, and then when I started my master's um that's when I really like I think my own relationship to food kind of suffered at that point again because it was really weight-centric like really kind of um I don't know just just very like 
talking about weight and bodies as mm-hmm. kind of problems to be solved. And I mean, I, I do want to like announce my kind of privilege. I mean, I am straight sized. And so I can only imagine what it would have been like if I was in a mm. bigger body. Um, but even in like my class, in sounds kind of random, but it actually really kind of solidified like that I wanted to be a non-diet professional and kind of everyone was a lot smaller than me even though I was straight size and it felt like everyone was kind of like judging of food and obsessed with food Um, Mm -hmm. and because I had my own disordered eating I could really see it and I don't think that um I don't think others could see that that's how it was but I could definitely feel it and I could see it um yeah and I think yeah I mean ever since then I mean I've always practiced um from a non-diet lens I've never um I've never really worked with weight loss um I've had a couple of clients kind of in the beginning of my practice um who wanted weight loss and we just weren't a right fit but that's kind of how I came here and um Mm -hmm. in terms of um my kind of practice um I've been working as a registered associate nutritionist for um maybe between a year and a half and two years no I think roughly about a year and a half um Mm -hmm. and yeah I work with disordered eating um I really like helping people with binging um yeah and it's also a non-diet lens and I really like working with PCOS as well and in my clinic most people who I support with PCOS um also have disordered eating so it really kind of lets us really lets us get into like the nitty-gritty um and striking that balance between support and also managing PCOS, which it kind of adds another layer to like disordered eating work, which I really, um, I really like. And I think it, um, well, I think, I, I mean, yeah, I know I help people with that. So yeah, I really um, enjoy that. So amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, I completely agree that I think, PCOS management can't not go hand in hand Mm -hmm. with disordered eating and that's why it's so ingrained in my practice as well Mm -hmm. it's kind of we we don't just look at the supplements you know the the food that we we think might be able to help with PCOS or talk about movement without being you know digging deeper and thinking about relationship with food relationship with our body relationship with movement and like you said like once you kind of get into it you realise there's a lot, lot of work to be done there, especially mm-hmm. with people with PCOS, um, probably because of what people are told when they go to the doctor or when they go and see their healthcare professional, as it always seems to be centred around weight. Um, yeah. So thank you so much for that introduction. I really appreciate it. Um, I'd love to talk about your kind of, in your practice, mm-hmm. what sort of questions do you tend to get about PCOS and nutrition? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the first, well, I think my kind of approach um, in my first session with people, I really, I really don't want to do much talking. Um, I mean, that's kind of the same with all my um, clinic work, really. I, I kind of, I want people to do as much of the speaking as possible, and I kind of know I'm doing a good job when um, I kind of hear a lot from them, and I don't really hear much from me apart from. Um, when it's appropriate so I think in the first session I mean I kind of go in with I really want to know them I want to know like 
you know, specifically with people with PCOS, I really want to hear about like their PCOS journey, you might call it. So, you know, mm-hmm. when they were diagnosed, what happened? How did they know? You know, what kind of medications have they been on? What have they been? I want to also find out like what they know about PCOS because mm-hmm. often um, it sounds like kind of, it sounds a little bit silly maybe, but it's, I think it's actually really common. Like people are kind of just told, yeah, you have PCOS and they're never really told really even like what it is um Mm -hmm, definitely and they're kind of just like hmm I know it's something to do with you know whatever symptoms they've kind of got so I know it's something to do with my periods or I know it's something to do with um maybe if they've got kind of physical symptoms I know it's something to do with that but so kind of in my first session um I really want to like understand how much they know about PCOS and I really also hold space um for them to kind of tell me like things they've heard about PCOS so um, Mm -hmm. often between my first and second session with someone um, I'll have them kind of write down everything they've heard all the questions they might have and often it's things like um, is dairy okay is gluten okay what supplements should I take Um, Mm -hmm. does the pill work to stop like they might talk about um, sugar carbs like and really just like go into the myth busting of it but not too mm-hmm. not too soon because I think our role is like the nutritionist and non-diet nutritionist is really kind of building the relationship with them and kind of mm-hmm. we also don't want it to be like this quick you know one session and you feed them all this info um because mm-hmm. that can also be really overwhelming and probably really like something they've already tried to kind of collect all the info about PCOS so I think there's a balance between helping people kind of I think okay I'm kind of waffling but like I think the first step is really like getting everything they know about PCOS onto paper or onto documents and then kind of just validate that experience and like wow how mm-hmm. how complicated is it and you know you've worked with this for 10, 15, 20 years, like, you know, just validate that experience. Um, so that's kind of my first approach um, and kind of, yeah, some of the most common things I'm asked, um, which I hope I answered. Yeah, no, that's great. And I think you're so right that people come to people like us um, with PCOS and they've had PCOS for years and years and they still don't necessarily quite understand what it is and that is completely understandable mm-hmm. considering the way that the messaging around PCOS is. For example, uh, last night it was the parliamentary debate for PCOS and endometriosis research and even in that debate where it was supposed to be a conversation about how mm-hmm. under-researched and underrepresented people with PCOS feel, um, they called it a reproductive disorder mm-hmm. even though it's actually an endocrine disorder or so a hormonal disorder. So I think even in environments like that, it's misunderstood. Mm-hmm. So never mind kind of in a doctor's office when you're kind of feeling overwhelmed by having this diagnosis. Um, so yeah, I can't really remember what my point was there, but I just, I really wanted to bring up last night's debate because I was a bit frustrated with the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but thank you, you know, that's really important to highlight the fact that, um, you know, just validating people's um, experiences is so it's so necessary. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of one of the 
the biggest roles of being a non-diet PCOS nutritionist or a non-diet nutritionist who works with people with PCOS is that um, I think a lot of people think they're going to come to us, we're just going to throw <laughs> knowledge and answers at them. Whereas actually most of the work I do is really helping people understand their PCOS and also just listening and being that kind of supportive shoulder to kind of lean on. Um, yeah. And I'm sure you find you find similar um, situations occurring. So when you are ready to work with clients on the nutrition mm-hmm. side of PCOS, I know like me, you kind of use the intuitive eating principles then woven into your work in various ways. And the um, one of the principles of uh, intuitive eating is gentle nutrition. And that's what I call it as well. But I'd love you just to kind of tell our listeners what gentle nutrition is. Mm, yes. Okay. So, I mean, gentle nutrition is kind of like what it says on the tin, really. Um, it's kind of, I think it's this kind of like, little bridge between health and I'm, I'm saying health like very kind of loosely and really holding space for like not health health doesn't look the same on everyone so kind of health bridged with basically like what's available what's accessible and what you want to eat and also taste um mm-hmm. and then I also want to I like to throw in like another kind of element which is like just compassion and acceptance for like mm-hmm. food and eating um so basically i mean i think the the kind of um troubling and um rush in the intuitive eating book i think um i think they word it something like um i actually don't know off the top of my head but i think it's something like honor your health and oh yeah it's honor your health and honor your cravings i think it is so yeah mm-hmm. it's merging what you want to eat and what kind of feels good in your body mm-hmm. and I'm thinking like I think um, people with PCOS have always been told don't eat this don't eat that don't eat that and on these kind of Facebook groups that are like PCOS nutrition groups or PCOS weight loss groups or something like that which I'm on mm-hmm. to kind of see what my clients might be exposed to um, I saw an example today where it was kind of like nutrition kind of black and white thinking and it was um just kind of really basic food I think it was like a bread or something like a bread product made with like I think it was like rye flour and it had like pumpkin seeds and things in it and so me as a kind of non-diet nutritionist I was thinking okay yeah so that's like high fiber it's got a bit of protein it's got like healthy fats so the mega seeds from the seeds and I was thinking that sounds pretty good but everyone in the comments was kind of like no, it's got oil in it. No, oh, it's no. got some, I think it was like some um, egg or something. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, like, what are these like poor people going to eat? Mm-hmm. Um, or I often see like people posting, is this compliant? And I'm thinking, yes. oh, wow, like really holding a lot of compassion that they're, you know, this is something that's um, they're thinking about. But I was thinking, mm-hmm. oh my God, is this compliant? And it's like, um just yeah basic foods like not even anything that I would consider like a fun food kind of like Mm -hmm. breads and pasta sauces things like that so yeah I mean I know that I mean to me that's not gentle nutrition that's um that's um I mean that's dieting really
I love recommending Time Health Inositol supplements to my clients, as Inositol can be so useful to help people with PCOS manage their symptoms. But there are so many Inositol supplements out there, it can feel overwhelming figuring out which one to choose. The reason I recommend Time Health supplements is because both their Inositol complex capsules and Myo and D-Cairo Inositol powder form contain the optimal, research-based 40 to 1 ratio of Myo to D-Cairo Inositol. This is believed to mirror the physiological ratio of Inositol in the body and may work more effectively than taking the Inositols individually. To get 15% off your Time Health order, use the code THECOLLECTIVEWELLNESS15 at checkout. That's the Collective Wellness 15. Thank you, Time Health. I would love to hear kind of any kind of top tips or things that you think that people with PCOS can add in um, to their existing diet or things they can think about um, to help with their PCOS. And like I said, there's no right or wrong and there's no black or white way of thinking about this but it's just kind of any tips that people can see how they feel and kind of approach with curiosity rather than judgment Mm -hmm. yeah so I guess my first one my first one isn't really nutrition but my first one that I think is just like key and I think it just kind of you know goes around all of non-diet approaches and all of PCOS management kind of like a little Mm -hmm. circle I think it's just like compassion compassion and um I actually in my I had a session yesterday and someone's you know feeling feeling really really kind of down about kind of feeling like they're not doing enough to Mm -hmm. manage their PCOS and they feel like every day is just the same and they're not getting any further and in the session you know I took like a little piece of paper and I was like you know this is your permission card to just be how you are because Mm -hmm. I mean you know people with PCOS are still people who need to go around and go to work deal with people on the streets you know Mm -hmm. um clean their house clean their cat litter tray (laughs) you know there's still people who have busy lives and it's just another thing to be adding on and I think sometimes the biggest kind of relief can be it's okay um so that's kind of what I might offer to people first um mm-hmm. my second which I guess is like a bit more practical is um just challenging and kind of looking at how you are viewing foods um mm-hmm. so I mean we touched on like compliant versus non-compliant food but really just bringing it back to like basics and like where did I learn this about this food right like why is the milk chocolate that I eat a bad food and the dark chocolate's a good food where does that Mm -hmm. come from and actually if I have and kind of not not thinking about it like um and it's really like tough to unlearn all these things and relearn the kind of way that suits you but like thinking about it kind of a little bit more like logically and kind of challenging these things like how does it actually make me feel to have dark chocolate over milk chocolate do I prefer milk chocolate like what do I what do like I actually feel rather than what have I been told to feel Mm -hmm. um yeah challenging good and bad food so like maybe if you eat I don't know a piece of like cake or something and you think oh you know that was naughty or 
it's a kind of residual thought sometimes, you know, just challenging that and, you know, also giving yourself compassion. Um, it's okay. Um, those two kind of blend together. Um, and I think a little bit more practically, the first thing um, I want to do when I start working with someone, um, because I work with a lot of people with very disordered eating, the first thing I want to know is how often they eat. Mm -hmm. um, that's like my step number, you know. Um, I want to like kind of see are they eating every three to four hours and then once I know that once I like if I see they are eating regularly I want to see like what do their meals look like are they like adequate do they mm -hmm. fit a full size dinner plate or is it kind of you know breakfast is like a little bowl of cereal and then they've got lunch and it's like a tiny little sandwich and then they've got dinner and it's this kind of like tiny little piece of meat and some rice, some broccoli. I kind of, I want to see like adequate helpings of food. Um, mm -hmm. And usually people with PCOS, well, most people with PCOS um, really speak about this kind of insatiable appetite, especially with yeah. carbohydrates. If the PCOS like isn't doing too good at that moment, um, and in that case, um, depends on the person. But one thing that I'm for sure looking at is, as well as regular eating and adequacy, I really want to see how much protein they're eating. Mm -hmm. And um, a recommendation that we would work on, kind of tricky when they've got disordered eating, um, but would be looking at protein amounts and pro um, adding extra sources of protein, making sure they have protein source at every meal and hopefully mm. every snack too so that's kind of my top thing so I hope that's helpful that's really helpful and I completely agree with everything you've said and um yeah definitely the uh having enough food I think is mind-blowing <laughs> to a lot of people because I think they even though even if they know you know I'm a non-diet nutritionist and I don't you know think we don't talk about weight loss etc people kind of I think have a bit of a uh they kind of assume that mm -hmm. I'm going to be asking them to eat less mm -hmm. you know I think it's just kind of like an underlying thing with probably with most healthcare professionals people kind of think that mm -hmm. um so yeah it, it can be quite surprising when I kind of come in and be like let's have a look at if you're eating enough I think it's um yeah but it's definitely key you know to keeping those those um cravings at bay that we see with a lot of people with PCOS and also um making sure they're getting adequate nutrition of course and um if they're having enough enough energy to stop that fatigue that we've seen a lot of people with PCOS and you know just because we hear these other messages so much about losing weight we just kind of forget about the other side with PCOS especially I think mm -hmm. um yeah that was so useful thank you so much Shannon mm -hmm. thank you for joining um, us today where can people find out more about you and how to work with you Ooh, um no I mean my main kind of I guess like my portal into my world um, might be my Instagram because <laughs> um, it's kind of got all my links and things in my bio so it's just at Shannon Western Nutrition on Instagram and on there you can find a link to my website. My website is actually just the same shannonwesternnutrition.com and um, on there you can read articles and um, you know read about me and things like that. 
perfect thank you so much everything will be down in the show notes um if they want to come and find you and again thank you so much thank you (laughs) thank you for listening to the pcos collective if you've enjoyed today's podcast please rate review and subscribe and join me every wednesday for a new episode